Hello and welcome to Little Things with Amber L.B. Swenson and today, Pastor Mike Novotny. Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. I'm afraid a few of you may not know who he is. I think there might be one of you out there. But if you don't, he's the lead speaker for Time of Grace. And Pastor Mike, do you do anything else? Hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm a pastor. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a pastor here in Appleton, Wisconsin at a church called The Core. So I've been in ministry for 15 years here in Appleton for eight. And yeah, I kind of get to do be part of two great ministries, Time of Grace and the core of my local church. Amazing. So, yeah. Thanks Amazing. for having me. That's awesome. And you have a new book. It's called mm. what's big start small. And again, I'm going to just ignore the fact that little things isn't in the title because <laughs> it just seemed like the perfect title for this book. The whole time I was reading, I was like, little things, little things, little things. It's all about little things, but it's okay. Your book, you get to choose. I'm all, I'm all okay about that, but <laughs> I feel, I feel like we're starting this conversation in the hole. Do you think we'll get out of it by the end? <laughs> <laughs> it got awkward in the beginning there when I hope so. <laughs> Why did you name so. your book after my thing? <laughs> Wait a minute. Pride is like a really big theme in your book. And so Ooh. maybe we need to start with my heart. <laughs> I think my heart has been in the wrong place the whole time because obviously it's not my book. Uh, so true. I shouldn't care what you, what you call it. No, it, it was, you know, I never thought of that, but in the time of grace network, we have multiple podcasts. And really the thrust of the book, What's Big Start Small, is about how it starts little, God's little seed of a word, and it gets big. And then some people listening might know the non-microwave truth. Oh, by, totally. Mm-hmm. My friend. And that, that's kind of the same concept. Like you can't microwave great faith. It takes a lot of time, which is what Little Things is about, which is what What's Big Start Small is about. So let's just bring all of our brands under one umbrella. How about it's... the non-microwave little big start small fest? <laughs> No, I have to say that even when I was reading the waiting chapter, I put in, in my notes in several places, the non-microwave truth, like you Mm. cannot make this go fast. Like it it, it was perfect. Yes. You. So thank you for including all of us in your book. I'm glad that when you (laughs) develop a concept, you think, let's see, what are we doing at time of grace? We better include little things and the non-microwave truth and Make yep. sure we cover all our bases. I'm I'm always asking myself W W A A S D. What would Amber L B Swenson do? <laughs> I know I got I got my acronym wrong. I'm working. Ah. Okay, so the premise of the book is the parable of the sower. So Jesus' story is basically about a sower who sows seed, which represents God giving us the word, and some seed falls on this hard path, some seed falls in the shallow soil, some seed falls in this you know, good soil, but it's cluttered with thorns and thistles. And the other one fa- falls on like good soil and grows into something big. And in Jesus' story, the bird snatches up the seed on the on the hard path. Little plant starts to grow in the rocky soil, but the sun withers it. The seed kind of grows, but it gets cluttered and choked out by the thorns in the third version. And then in the last one, it grows like exponentially big, 30, 60, 100 times more than what was sown. And then this is the cool part about the parable of sower. Jesus actually explains what he means. 
And he says, well, the hard path is like someone who's proud. They don't understand the word. They don't want to understand the word. So you can hear it, but the devil snatches it up. Nothing happens. The second person is the one who loves the Bible. Wow, this is great. But then the hot sun comes out. And Jesus says, that's really persecution or troubles because of the word. Your friends don't like it. You know, people think this is crazy. Why would you believe that? And your initial joy withers. And the third one, and this is kind of where you're getting us to the thorns is where, oh yeah, I do love the Bible. I'm going to hold on to it, but I'm working so much and I'm so worried about getting things done. There's all these other things I want to do with my life that maybe I make time for Bible study or church or a podcast like this, but I never grow to maturity and fruitfulness because I just basically don't have space in my life. And then hopefully the last one, the good soil is a person who can resist the pride, resist the pain, resist the wealth and the worries and the wants of other things. Um, They're willing to wait just like a seed and it grows into something way bigger than you would expect. And what's really big, like great faith, starts small with this little seed Mm -hmm. from God's word. So that's the big picture of the parable. You, you go through each separately and they're all phenomenal. I mean, they're all so worthy of looking at and examining. Um, so people have to go get the book and, and get, dig into that. The last chapter of the book, you're mentioning that you kind of struggled with the title that Jesus gave the parable. Jesus gave the parable, the title of, or the parable of the sower. Yes. And one of the last things you discuss is that you kind of struggled with that title, wondering if Jesus did the right thing. <laughs> I'm sensing, I'm sensing something in your tone. Do you, you don't like, well, so, you know, we discussed my pride before, but I'm wondering, I'm just trying yeah. to give you a look like, did you, did you really argue with Jesus at all? No, it's, it's curious. And we'll get into it too, because the, the parable that Jesus tells, you know, starts with this sower who sows seed, but then it's talking about the different kinds of soil and whether the seed grows or not. So if you were going by word count, it would seem, oh, this is really the parable of the soils or the parable of the seed. But Jesus gives it this kind of surprising title, the parable of the sower. Uh, And maybe we can come back to that at the end, because I think that's really good news, knowing that it's not so much about me or you or even the Bible. The the biggest star of this show is the God who makes his word grow in our hearts. So Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about some challenges, but so good to know that this is really about how God's going to help us grow into great Christians. Why this parable? Oh, um, yeah, l- long story, but how about this? Out of the 30 parables that Jesus told, and if you don't know that phrase, a parable is basically a story that Jesus made up to help us understand God and faith. So out of the 30 parables, you know, the lost sheep, the lost son, the un- unmerciful servant, the parable of the sower gets more space in the Bible than any other so if you're going to say, hey, what, what did the Holy Spirit decide is super important? This parable shows up in Matthew 13 uh, at length, and then again in Mark 4, and then again in Luke chapter 8. So <laughs> if you believe the Bible is God speaking to you, God's really speaking to you through this parable. He really wants you to know what it says, because essentially it's about the Christian life. What makes it great? What gets in the way? What's your potential? What are your threats? So the more I dug into it, I'm like, wow, this deserves a whole book because this is about my story. It's about our story as we follow Jesus. That's my favorite kind of podcast. And my favorite kind of teaching is, um, just sermons or podcasts that go through the Bible and Hmm. expand it, like make us see the big picture because it's so easy to just sort of uh, read your Bible and close it and not give it a whole lot of thought. 
Yes. But when you, when you take this parable and, and you really break it down, like what, what does this mean? Mm. I, I, I just love this sort of teaching because it's so, it just reminds us that the word of God is so applicable. Yeah, it is. Like it, it wasn't written for them back that time. Yeah. It's written for all of us in every generation and every time, no matter if you're male, female, young, yep. old, so poor, rich, anything. And, and so I loved this book and I, I, I'm so glad that you wrote it. And I hope you do another of Bible teaching like this, that just really expands and expounds what Jesus mm. was saying. Cause it's phenomenal. Um, so I noticed that before, so you have a chapter kind of telling us what you're writing about and, and, and that, and then you, you're going to get us into the parable, but before you did, you prayed and asked the Holy spirit to be with us and to give us wisdom and to understand this. And then to help us to put what we learned into practice. And as I was reading that, I do that every time I teach a class, every single time, whether it's a women's Bible study or Sunday school class or my Bible history class or whatever, I'm always praying like Holy spirit come and, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. move us through this conversation and then make our hearts eager to accept. But it occurred to me as I was reading your prayer, I thought, you know, this might be the first time that some people have had the experience of praying before they open the Bible. Mm. Why, why pray before you get into the word? Yeah. Well, if you study the parable of the sower, which is the correct name, according to Jesus, it, it, to me, the, I think the big thing that struck me was when Jesus is talking about, you know, great faith or people who like, it's like they lose their faith or nothing happens when they hear the word. What all the people have in common is that they're hearing the Bible. So he didn't tell a story like people who never make time for church, but they don't end up with faith. And people who go once a month, they end up with, you know, kind of a little bit of faith. But people who go every week have great faith. He doesn't say that. He actually says it's people who are hearing the message all the time that can end up with no faith or meh faith or great faith. And so if you actually believe that, that it's not like uh, I open my Bible, boom, magical blessings happen. But just like a seed, I love the analogy, just like you put a seed in the garden, oh, the job's not done. Like We need help to protect that so it can grow into what it's intended to grow into. So that's where the prayer comes from. Like, oh, God, Holy Spirit, if you don't help me right now, yeah. reading this book isn't going to do anything. And yeah. listening to little things isn't going to do anything. There's lots of people who listen to podcasts or go to church or read their Bible and they don't change and they don't have great faith. So Spirit, you got to help me like see the, the beauty in this word see the worthiness of Jesus. Holy Spirit, you inspired this book. So you understand it already. So help me see what you want to do through it in my heart. So that's why I began with that prayer. I love that. And I think it doesn't matter whatever we're doing. We all come into the situation with baggage, right? There's Mm -hmm. something, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. we're coming in and it might be the best day that we've had in a week. It might be the worst day that we had in the week. We might be coming in and there's been a terrible loss in our family, or, you know, you've fought with your husband or your kids or, have this weird, awkward moment at restaurants or whatever. (laughs) And it's just good for the Holy spirit to kind of come in and just wipe all that away Yeah, and just be like, Hey, guess what? I'm going to help you to focus on what's right here. And we're going to get this baggage away and we're going to keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that passage Psalm 119, which is this, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. And it's kind of an ode to how cool the Bible is. And there's a verse in there. I wrote it down. Uh, Verse 18 says, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. So 
that's kind of the example, right? God, if you don't open my eyes, I'm not going to see it. There's like wonderful things right here in this yeah. book that could help me in so many ways, but I'm going to kind of read with my eyes closed, so to speak. Yeah. So Holy Spirit, help me to see it, to believe it, to embrace it for your glory. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, is the parable of the sower in all four gospels or just in the three? Just in the three. I Just in the three. Yeah, I actually did an interview about this two weeks ago, and uh, I wasn't aware of this. The podcast host said the Gospel of John has zero parables. So all those 30 parables apparently show up in Matthew, Mark, Luke. I should probably fact check that, but I think that sounds right. Wow. Good to know. Yeah, that wasn't John's focus, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it does show up in all three. That's awesome. And I love that you compare where it is in the different Gospels. So Hmm. each Gospel adds just a little bit different facts or wording. Hmm. Why are some details in some gospels, but not in the other? And is this something that we should be concerned about? What's the deal with us? Oh yeah. I've always pictured it. Like imagine it's Amber's wedding day. What's your husband's name again? Steve. That's it. So Amber and Steve are there at the altar. And imagine if you have three different family members kind of documenting moments they're each taking pictures. It's the same thing. And their footage is all true, but they're kind of coming at different angles, you know, and maybe one of them has an appreciation for the older family members who went before you. And another is just getting those really close, sweet moments between you and Steve. So I've always pictured the gospels like that. Here's Jesus. He said so many incredible things (laughs) and taught so many amazing sermons. The biggest book in the world can contain them but they all kind of come with their own agenda and angle. And oftentimes they overlap, but sometimes there's really unique things that Matthew puts in or Luke adds or um, yeah. So we don't have to get deep, but you know, Matthew wanted to write to Jews essentially to prove, Oh yeah, this is the old Testament Messiah. Mark is writing to prove he's the powerful son of God. Luke's writing to Theophilus to give him certainty about the things he'd been taught that Jesus is for the poor and the outcast for men and women, Jews and Gentiles, the most wretched sinners, so they all kind of have their angle, um, but you, when you put them all together, you get kind of a robust, complete, mm-hmm. holistic story of what Jesus taught. That's how I teach all the time, whether it's Bible history or Sunday school. In my classroom, I have a huge whiteboard and I have four columns, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, mm. whatever the story is that we're learning that day. If it's in two places, we read both and we put which facts come from each, but it's oh. such a great way to read the Bible because like you said, they fill in some things. And you also get the behind the scenes. Some, sometimes Mark will tell you what the disciples were thinking, or, you know, John gives it, he was writing so much later. So he'll give you a different, you know, aspect altogether. And it's, it's really a great way to read the gospels. If, if you've never, ever thought to do that before, it's a really neat way to get the fuller picture. Like you said, for sure. Yeah. And with this parable in particular, there's some of my favorite parts of it don't show up in all three. Yeah. So even though there's gold in Matthew's version, Ooh, Luke has this one little line, like, Oh yeah, that's what, that's kind of a new angle to think about that same idea. So you're right. It's worth the time to put them all together and compare them. Yeah. So speaking of time, that is (laughs) something that you really make a very cognizant effort to do in this book. You are constantly asking us to slow down, even while confessing that you're like a plunge through a reader. Like you just want (laughs) to, you do, you confess, like I probably wouldn't slow down right here, but you should. So what is this attempt to deliberately make the reader stop? What's that all about? Yeah. Um, Short answer, because I want you to be happy. 
So Psalm chapter one, I'm actually preaching on this for my daughter's graduation tomorrow. It says the happy person or the blessed person, that's the word in Hebrew, Asher means happy. The happy person isn't the one who reads the Bible or who goes to church. It says, blessed is the one who meditates on the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Their leaf won't wither and whatever they do mm-hmm. prospers. And the word meditate isn't like kind of Eastern meditation, clearing your mind to meditate in Hebrew means to, it means to chew on something. So if you think you take a, a bite, of delicious steak, I mean, you could nope, swallow it down, ate it, <laughs> but the Bible wants to be savored, you know, tasting the goodness of God. And so I'm trying to like really in your face, intentionally in this book saying, Hey, I mean, you could, you could get something out of the book if you speed read it. And you could get something out of Jesus's parable if you just zip through it. But really, if you want to be happy in a biblical sense, if you want to be blessed by tasting the glory and goodness of God, you're going to have to slow down. God doesn't care how many books you read in a year. He doesn't care how fast you read them. He wants to bless you and blessing comes through meditation. So I'm trying to force the reader to do that, even if uh, it's questionable whether I would or not. Yeah, well, it's a really good, it's, it's a good discipline and it is a discipline to slow down and read and to savor and to take notes and to not just plunge through. I mm. read considerably fewer books than I ever read before mm. in the past, but I do it much more slowly and take notes. Yeah. And it's, you get so much more out of it when you do it that way. So yeah. I appreciate that you did that. Do you think that's why you're a fount of wisdom? <laughs> I don't know that I'm a fount of wisdom, <laughs> but I will tell you this. It, it has made a, a difference in a, how much I um, retain from the mm. books that I read sure. and be the other thing that I love about taking notes. I have notebooks that I'm filling up with pages from, I can I love to go back and read the notes. So I'm not likely to go back and read a lot of the books that I read, Sure, but I can go back and read the main points that stuck out to me on different pages. And that's almost as good as going back to yeah. the book. And so I can reacquaint myself with the lessons that I really wanted to take away from it. Yeah. Which are really important. Yeah. I've gone back already on your book, a couple of different things that you said that have just been, I needed to hear. And so Hmm. I really appreciate doing that. And I hope people will take the time to slow Mm -hmm. down in this book and, and make themselves, even if you don't answer every question, at least if the ones that are really, really the most convicting ones are the ones that you should probably look at. Yeah. Dig in a bit more. Yeah, for sure. Well said. Okay. So worry, um, the thorns, one of the things that you say, which seems like a oxymoron, which is an oxymoron is the answer to giving up on God is getting more of God. And I need you to explain that because a lot (laughs) of people are like, Hey, listen, I've tried God and it didn't work. Mm. Or, you know, they're just, they just don't see why they should hang on. And you say, look, don't give up, get more. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, th- I think that quote actually comes up. I should double check my sources. I think that comes up in this, the second kind of soil where, you know, you start out loving God, but then it gets really hard and you, you give up. And I think the quote there says, you know, the answer to giving up on God is actually getting more of God. Yeah. And I, I think about that. What I learned this about plants. Oh man, I did more research on plants and root systems and soil quality (laughs) than I ever, we didn't cover that in seminary. So I got a chance to dig into that. 
I learned that if a plant is going to grow in a really hot environment where there's not a lot of rain and the sun is super bright, um, that the plant needs to have resources that exist beneath the soil. So it kind of makes sense, right? If, oh, it totally makes sense. If rain isn't yep. falling from above, I have to have deep enough roots that I'm reaching that little bit of moisture that exists in the dirt. And that's kind of the nature's way of saying, wow, if, if it's hard to follow Jesus, like the sun is beating and there's not a lot of, Hey, everyone loves it, that you're a Christian. You got to dig in deep to your knowledge of what God is like and how worthy he is. So if your friends are like, Oh, you know, used to, you know, we used to shoot the breeze and have an extra drink and whatever. And all you're like, not doing all that stuff. So that doesn't wither you really what you need to not give up on God is this deep, deep belief. But wait, I'm talking about the eternal God right now. Yeah. Like, oh, my friends might not like it, but God does. And my friends not might not love me like they used to, but we are talking about the God of love. Yeah. So, oh my goodness, if I can open my eyes to just how deep and wide and profound and unconditional, no one has loved me like God. Like, I, that's what I mean by that phrase. I, I got to get more of him. If I'm going to give him up, I don't really know how he is. Because if I could just see him for a second, it would be so obvious. Like, oh, yes. I'm following Jesus. There's, there's no smarter thing to do than hold on to God because he's totally worthy of it. And so the book just lists some really practical ways to how, how do you think more of God so you don't wither and lose your faith when it gets kind of hard to follow Jesus? Yeah. And then the opposite is also true that the, the deeper the root goes, the more you're able to weather and withstand just like yes. that oak tree, oak tree, you know, that the, the roots go down so deep that when mm. the storm comes, it's not toppled over because yes. the roots go down so deep and, and then it's not so much you holding on to God, it's God holding on to you yeah. because the roots are so deep and he's just holding on to you and keeping you up. And it's, yep. it's a really, it, it's something that's so easy to do if you refuse to look at the circumstances in life. Yeah. So yeah. if you, no matter what the circumstances are, if you just keep saying, God, you're bigger than this. And so I'm just going to trust. I, I don't know how you're going to get me out of this, but you're bigger than this. I'm going to trust. Then you know that he's holding on to you. But as long as you keep looking at the circumstances, it seems yeah. impossible. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's well said. Have you ever read that prayer? Um, Paul basically tells the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter one, what he's been praying for them. So he has this epic, epic section of all the blessings we get in Jesus and he transitions, I think, in verse 17 of Ephesians 1. He says, and my prayer for you is that you would know God better. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to say to a Christian, huh? It's like, well, yeah, I do know God. He's like, oh, no. <laughs> like, he's so much better. Like, yeah. you see him now, but there's so much more to see. And so Paul's praying that the Spirit, I think he says, would open the eyes of your heart that you could really grasp the love and the power of God. Um, so that's exactly what you're saying. Man, God... I know something about you, but I don't know everything about you. So help me know you as you. Yeah. And such an important lesson for all of us. And reminder, that's the blessing of having Christian friends and mentors in your life is that when you are in the middle of that storm and you feel like you're going to topple and they keep reminding you, just look to God. It's mm -hmm. okay. Just look to God. You're not withering. You may seem like you're kind of withering, but it's okay. God's yep. there. Yep. Okay. And then you touch on this. I have to say there are so many times that I was thinking you really aren't trying to make friends with this book because <laughs> you're so convicting. You are so convicting. And I mean, it's not you, it's the Holy spirit, you know, 
we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be with us when we read a book. And then when he's like, <laughs> you're like, no, I take it. Back. Us, I'm like, Mike, how could you do that? And the Holy Spirit's like, that's me. Oh, that's me. Yeah. Not Mike. Not yeah. Mike. I had a friend but, who, who read it. I was, he said, you know, Mike, this isn't the book you want to read. This is the book you need to read. That's exactly how I kept feeling. There were so many times that I was like, oh, I didn't want to read that, but I, I needed to hear that. I didn't mm. want to hear that. And that's when you know that the Holy Spirit has you by the shoulders and he's shaking you and saying, yeah, yeah. come on. I, I tried to be an equal opportunity offender though. I know we're going to talk maybe about some application for women, but um, another one of our friends, Diana Kerr, I was just on yeah. her, her podcast and she said, Mike, the women who read this book, who are married are going to be so happy. They're going to open to this page about how much you watch sports and they're just going to leave it open on the nightstand right for their husband to read. So women everywhere, married women everywhere are thanking you for writing this book, yeah. but you're, yeah. you're going to take a different angle, aren't you? You're going to be, you're going to say the guys have it easy. Yeah. Because I just know <laughs> that most of the women here, you know, maybe Sunday afternoon in front of the TV is not their problem, but boy, we love to worry. And worry about the silliest things. And I love how you brought Martha into this because Martha and Thomas, they have a special place in heaven, if you ask me, and I don't have any say over it, but <laughs> I'm just saying poor Martha, you know, she was just trying to do a really good thing. She was opening mm. her home to Jesus and all those disciples and God knows how many people there really were. And yeah. she just wanted this really great meal, but she missed it. And, mm. and, and that's the point of the parable. Mm -hmm. especially this point, like our busyness, even busy, being busy, doing good things yep. can cause us to miss the most important thing. Yes. And you actually say it's super busy to not be busy. Mm -hmm. How in the world are you going to tell women, you know, with their families that it's super important to not be busy? Yeah. Oops, I'm losing connection right now, Amber. I'm, oh. <laughs> yeah, I noticed you're, you're frozen. <laughs> I'm, I'm hitting the freeze button on my, on my end. Yeah, so big picture, and this is not just for women. I think this applies to all of us, but maybe, yeah, I know a lot of really amazing Christian women who are probably overcommitted and scared to step back. So just think about a seed for a second. If you had a garden and you wanted to grow tomatoes and you dig it, you know, just the right depth, and then you take a five gallon bucket of tomato seeds and you dump it in that little trench. Yeah. You can probably guess what's going to happen. You'd say, that's not how you grow good tomatoes. Well, what I, I want to, I want more tomatoes. So I put in more seeds. You say, well, no, no, no. If a seed's going to grow, it needs space. The garden is only so big. There's only so much moisture, rain and sun. And so it's better, you know, to have, 10 seeds here than a thousand. And I think that's, to me, that is, it's my favorite part of the book of just being honest that if I, if I say yes to too many things, even if they're good things, if I'm working a job and serving people, but I'm working too much, if I'm so worried about disappointing anyone, so I'm overcommitted, I'm volunteering too many places, I'm even reading too many Bible plans at the same time, that actually backfires on me. Because just like in Jesus' story, I won't lose my faith. It won't wither, get snatched up by the bird. It just kind of gets choked out and cluttered and never reaches the full fruitfulness that God intended. So let me make two applications. Let's picture a married couple, guys super into sports. Um, 
I know so many women, so many wives who wish their husbands wouldn't just go to church and hear husbands love your wives, but would make space in their schedules for real communication, for emotional. I mean, how many women would melt if their husband cut back on these other things, which aren't necessarily wrong, so they could put that passage into practice. Husbands love your wives. Or can we even say how many men would love that from their wives, but their wives are so busy on the altar committee and doing the evangelism committee or teaching Sunday school. I mean, it's both ways there too. Like I, I, and I'm guilty of that. I have been so busy at church, just like blowing my husband off. Like, yep, yep. I'll get to you. I'll get to you tomorrow. And then, then I have three meetings at church tomorrow. Yes. And I don't, so, I mean, what you're saying is absolutely right, but it's also yeah. both ways. It, it is. Yeah. No, no one takes a vow at the altar, hoping to be the last thing on their spouse's yeah. priority list. Right. So if I'm so worried about these things, and I, maybe it's a good word for women, just a wife must respect her husband. Ephesians five thirty three says, what makes a man feel respected is when he feels like a priority in his home. When he feels like the last thing after the kids and the cooking and the catching up emails and watching the show like that, that makes a man feel small inside. And so this really basic thing is so beautiful when a husband and wife love and respect each other, but that, that will not happen if we are busy, 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 and don't make space for that beautiful scripture to grow into what God intends it to be. That's really important. What you just said, that's going to affect several people. Mostly <laughs> me. <laughs> me too. It's good. It's good to say it all out. <laughs> you know, that's actually one of the biggest blessings that came out of 2020 for me hmm. is COVID shut down our church for a while. And I realized hmm. how much time I spent at the church and how sometimes my family got the back end of everything. And so yeah. for the first time in a really long time, I put my family way up at the top and yeah. worked on the relationships with my children, with each of my children, at a different level, my, my spouse, we had so much more time to spend together yep. and it made a huge difference in my life. And now mm. I'm just way more, I, I don't join everything at church. I I'm way more realistic about the amount of time that I have and what my gifts are and what I can yeah. do the most good doing at church. And, yes. and that there are so many things that other people can be doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is beautifully said. I don't think people want to make us crazy busy. Mm-hmm. I think most people just ask us for their one thing, you know? So, Oh, I'm only asking you to coach one team, not 10. Oh, the pastor says, I, I just need one volunteer for this thing. And when you add all those ones up, I think that's where you end up like, how did I get so busy? And it just gets cluttered. So yeah, good for you. I think this book is going to give people permission to say, you're not a bad person. You're not a bad Christian. It's not a bad garden. If we just have 10 seeds instead of a thousand yeah. and you're not a bad person for saying, no, actually you're, you're doing the things that God has really put into your lap. You're calling to put his word into practice. Yep. And I'm going to tell women something that made a total difference to me. When I realized that my children had one mother and my mm. husband had one wife. So many people can do many things at church, but mm. I'm the only mother my children have. Boom. And I'm the only wife my husband has. Yes. So there are certain things that are up to me to do mm-hmm. and no one else can do those things, but there are so many things, even coaching and things outside of church that, you know, other people can do or other people can help with. And so yes. 
it's so important. And it's just that perspective that can change everything, but mostly it can give you a really healthy family Mm. and having that healthy family will help you again, sustain and weather the storms that are going to happen and, um, keep you rooted in Christ. And I think a big wake up call for me is realizing that I spend so much of my life teaching children and, you know, my children were beyond Sunday school age. And I thought, what am I doing to teach my older children Mm -hmm. while I'm teaching everybody else's children? And so now that we have our own family Bible study and stuff, it's just, it's so important and it's so hard. I, I get it. If you're struggling right now, I get it. I've struggled. I struggle all the time with this. Yep. Yeah, that's so true. I, I have a hunch, even though there's a couple big parts to the book, these chapters about being cluttered and too busy. There's three different reasons that Jesus lists. I have a hunch if people would just read those 50 pages, like God's going to say something really specific and help them without guilt or shame to thin their life out a little bit and just feel a lot better about their sustainable pace as they follow Jesus. Yeah. And one of the questions you had at the end of that chapter was something about Christian podcasts or Christian music or something like that. And that's the one that I really took to heart. And so you had mentioned too, that a lot of times you you're constantly listening to podcasts and mm-hmm. yep. I am too. I'm constantly listening to podcasts, to sermons, to Christian music. And so I've started on the way to work. I have an hour commute. I started praying, hmm. keeping it quiet and, uh, realizing that I needed that time with my heavenly father. It was your book that really made me think that, you know, it's not, it's not bad to fill all your time with even these Christian things, but what am I sacrificing? If I do that, maybe I'm sacrificing that communication with my heavenly father Mm -hmm. and the prayers aren't being said. And so you're absolutely right. If these middle chapters are so important and so convicting in all the right ways to just make us really examine, Hey, Hey, what's important. And are you sure that you're fitting in the things that are so important and really that meet your goals? Yeah. What are your goals with life? You know, I I want to walk with God. Well, what does that mean? I'm going to need to make time to pray. Yeah. Well, how am I doing that when I'm always letting someone else speak into me and not taking the time to pray? Yep. You know, just little things, Mike, little things. So true. Great title. Great title. If you ever want to use it. Little (laughs) things. Thank you. Yeah. And maybe this is a good spot to go back to, and it's called the parable of the sower, which means even though it's painful work to pull out a thorn, and they weed sometimes they grow without our intention. God is so faithful to help us, to forgive us, to empower us, to teach us. So the book, you know, it requires some work, just like taking care of a garden. Mm-hmm. But to know that you know Jesus is the ultimate gardener, and He's going to be there with all of His grace and with His Spirit to help us make some of these changes. So it's not such the self-help willpower book. That's a beautiful thing about you know improving your yeah. Christian life is that you got Christ. And he's, he's pretty good at the things that he does. (laughs) So yeah, it'll convict you, but I hope it comforts you too. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, I love that the parable says the deceitfulness of wealth. That's Mm. the phrase that it actually uses because the world loves to show us all these things that wealth promises, you know, it's going to give us all these things and you list seven of them, but then you also list the downsides of wealth, which there are several to seven that you list. And those are fairly significant too, but why is it Mike that we all, I mean, I can have this so under control for Mm. six months. Like Mm -hmm. I can do so good. 
And then I'm like, Ooh, I really want that, you know? Mm. And so why do we keep falling for this more is better, or there's bigger is better, or I got to have that latest, whatever, instead of what I have right now. Why? Yep. 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 I think one of the most tragic effects of Adam and Eve's fall into sin is that we instinctively think short term mm-hmm. that the gut reaction, you know, the instant reaction of the human heart is here and now. So it takes a, you know, it takes a ton of Holy spirit vision to not just think, how would that feel now? How would that taste yes. now? You know, but to think, what about tomorrow? What about a year from now? So in the context of wealth, Ooh, that would be fun to drive. That would look good on me if I bought it. Oh, I would love to live in a place. Oh, look at that pool. Look at the boats. Think of the trip. If I take this promotion, we could do dun, 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 dun. And that's all true. Mm-hmm. And it's all good. And, <laughs> you know, it's fun. But what the book tries to make you think is like, okay, um, yep. But, but before we make this decision and we get pulled in by money, let's just think of what it's going to cost us. Let's do a, a spiritual cost benefit analysis of mm-hmm working more hours or taking that promotion or wanting all these things. Um, I tell the story in the book, whenever, you know, I think we live in a nice house. It's not an extravagant, like 1600 square feet here in Appleton. Whenever we drive past like a really, really big house in Appleton and my girls are looking out the window, I always ask my girls the same question, which is how long would it take to vacuum that? How long would it take to vacuum that? (laughs) You're like, Oh dad. (laughs) Yeah. I'm maybe like your kids. My kids miss most of my gems of wisdom, but maybe one day they'll appreciate me after I'm dead. (laughs) So that's, that's kind of my way of saying, yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I'm sure it's awesome to have a a master bedroom that big with the whirlpool tub, but how, how long do you think it takes to cut the grass or to dust in there to vacuum? What do you think their mortgage payment is? What do you think the, you know, when our family is able to give to this cause or maybe take a nice road trip experience, how much do you think they're spending on taxes just to be in that property? So let's, let's not be deceived by the short term. Um, Jesus doesn't say wealth will stunt your growth. He says the deceitfulness of wealth. So this chapter is all about don't let wealth deceive you. Let's think long-term and biblically about it. And I see people and I work with people at the end of their life all the time. And man, when it gets down to it, what you really need in life, it, it, it can fit in such a very tiny space. Mm. You know, when you see people who their house has been destroyed after a storm, or when people are in a crisis situation, they have to leave their house, you know, because of war or whatever, the things that they actually take Mm. are very, very small. You know, they're not grabbing that great dish that they got at that sale at that, you know, whatever they're, they're taking their clothes and a few things that really mean something to them. And, and all the things that are really necessities can fit in a very, very small space. Mm -hmm. And when you start looking at life like that, you realize you do need so little compared to what you have Yep. and all this other like you said, you did it so beautifully, just reminding us that we have to take care of all this stuff. Hmm. Everything that we get, yeah. you know, you buy a car, you got to clean the car and you got to do maintenance on the car and you got to, you know, you buy the house and you, you do, you, like you said, you have to clean the house and do maintenance on the house and mm-hmm. everything. If you're not careful, everything that you own starts to own you. Yeah. Oh, well said. Beautifully yeah. said. 
Oh man, the waiting chapter. I don't know why you had to put that in. Um, <laughs> there are some of us that just do not have the patience for the waiting chapter. <laughs> just, just skim it guys. Just go to the next one. It's all good. There's nothing in there for you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but I'm guessing that it could be very, very comforting to some mm-hmm. people yeah. who are waiting and watching and have not seen the change you know, I have some dear, dear friends whose children walked away from the Lord years ago, mm-hmm. and they are like that father and the prodigal son who are just watching and waiting and praying day mm-hmm. by day by day by day. Mm-hmm. And what encouragement do you have for the people who wait and sometimes, you know, fall into wondering, am I waiting in vain? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So going back to Jesus's description, the word is like a seed. It's not like a hungry man dinner. Um, It's not like a firework. You light it and boom, oh, there it is. Wow, beautiful. Um, It's like a seed. And if you've grown a garden or if you have beautiful oak trees on your property or at a park in your community, like, you know, it's, wow, this is so worth it. This beautiful tomato that I'm eating, this fresh cilantro. But you know that that takes time. So I think we have realistic expectations when it comes to fruits and vegetables and gardens and parks. Jesus wants us to know that's how God's word is. So you go to church. I didn't get anything out of it. Uh, Not yet. Maybe the word that you heard in that sermon wasn't for today. Maybe that was for three months from now that God is going to start growing something in you. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to raise my kids for, for Jesus. Now it looks like I just wasted my time because they don't want to go to church. And so fighting match, every day and they're going off to college and they don't even pray. Why was I doing that? Well, maybe you don't see it yet. <laughs> I know first Corinthians 15 at the end, it says, because Jesus is alive and God keeps all of his promises, your labor in the Lord is never in vain. Mm-hmm. So never, or Isaiah 55, God says, my word never comes back to me empty. It achieves the purpose for which I sent it. Yeah. And then he uses, I love this analogy, just like the rain and snow come down from heaven. Yeah. And then it gets into without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it provides uh, what bread for the eater. Wait, wait, wait. How long does it take between rain falling or snow falling and then bread in my hand? Oh, okay. God's word is like that. So between the Wisconsin snowfall and the, the freshly harvested bread, it takes a bit. But, but God is saying that, like, hey, I'm a God who keeps his promises. I, I can't lie. I'm not a human being that I would do that. I'm the sinless, holy God. So if you're connecting with my word and following it obediently, like, yeah, maybe your blessing hasn't come yet. Maybe you're the oak tree that 10 years from now, someone's going to say, wow, that's beautiful. So yeah, don't give up. God is a, a God who keeps his promises. And I had um, coffee this morning with a dear older lady from church. And one of the things that we were reminded of is the importance to keep praying. Even if you never see in your lifetime, Mm -hmm. the answer to those prayers. Mm -hmm. I lived with my grandpa during college and I know he prayed for me all the time. Mm -hmm. And he, he only lived two years after I graduated from college. So he never saw his prayers answered, Mm -hmm. but there have been so many times that I have thought, I know my grandpa prayed for this. Mm. And so 20 years down the line, the things that he was praying for were realized. And so just keep praying, even if you never see the answer, 
Like you yeah. said, God is so faithful. Yep. Oh, the good soil chapter. That was just really good on so many levels. Um, I just want to talk about the traits of the person of good soil, soil which you said, I think you had five. I think there, is that right? Hearing, yeah, I, yeah, believing, I think Jesus, accepting. Yep. Jesus lists like four or five different things that describe a person with good soil. Yeah. But I just want to talk about the understanding one, because mm. you mentioned it at the beginning of the book and you mentioned again at the end of the book. And yeah. it's sort of, it was sort of a new concept for me to think about that there's a difference between ignorance and arrogance mm. and that it's pretty important. So can you explain the difference between the people who are just ignorant about the Bible yep. and the people who don't listen because of arrogance? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That that's a huge part of the story that Jesus tells that the first kind, the hard path people where the word does nothing, they, he says, quote, they don't understand it. And I kind of break down in that chapter. It's not that they're like new to church and, oh, I didn't understand this. I want to, but it went over my head and then the devil came and took it away. No, he's like, actually you, you kind of hardened your heart, like that hard path and the seed bounced off it and the devil gobbled it up. So, you know, I kind of picture the, when I was a teenager and my parents needed to talk to me about something serious, I'm sitting there arms crossed, like enduring the lecture. I mean, was I hearing it? Yes. Was I understanding it? No pride would get in the way. And so the good soil person is not like the Bible expert. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to be good soil. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to have your PhD in theology. It's just a person who comes to God and, and says, God, you're good. You love me teach me, uh, help, help me understand this. Um, it might be what I think. It might challenge what I think. It might be what my friends love. It might be what my friends hate, but I want to understand what you say because you're God. You're completely good. You always want what's best for me. So yeah, I, I just love that angle on it, that yeah. it's not saying you have to be Bible jeopardy smart to be yep. good soil. You could be a little child who just comes humbly and saying, speak God, your, your servant is here to listen. It's the posture of your heart. That's it. Really. I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah. Beautiful. Yep. Good yep. summary. I just want to talk to you about your prayer life a little bit. If we could just have a little <laughs> counseling session here, I, I just want to let you know what's really worked for me because I think we might be sort of birds in a of a feather because I am a amazing Bible reader. I mm -hmm. love to read my Bible and don't ever rarely miss it. I should say, but prayer has been more of a struggle for me. And you admit that you too sort of struggled with it, but have I told you how I've been praying my way through the Bible? No, I don't think so. So the book of Proverbs, when I started it this year, earlier this year, I decided to, um, pray my way through it. So I read just a verse and I pray over that verse. Mm. And then I read the next verse. So I only read like three to five verses a day but I've been doing a prayer journal and praying about it. And because I'm doing that, I'm praying about things that I've never, ever prayed mm. about before. Cause you yeah. know, the book of Proverbs is about wisdom and fools and sluggards and, <laughs> and how you use your mouth and all this stuff. And so as I'm reading, I'm like, Oh Lord, I know that I fall for that. And please help me to do better and let me honor you. Or, you know, sometimes it's the King, um, da, 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 da. So then I'm praying for my leaders and, for, mm. and it's, yeah. It's changed my prayer life dramatically. Wow. I mean, ex 
extremely dramatically, like in so many ways, because I'm praying for things that I never thought to pray about before. Yeah. And I'm letting God sort of have the topic of conversation and work mm. in my heart and it might work for you. I don't know. It's just a suggestion. <sighs> yes. This is good advice. I'm actually trying to read the whole Bible right now in Spanish. Oh, and good. I, I found that I'm just like motoring through it so I can say I did it. And it has been a less than fruitful season of Bible reading for me. So that's, that might be the nudge that I needed to slow down a bit. Okay. So keep reading your Bible in Spanish. If you do that in your morning or whatever, then in the evening, take three verses, whatever book of the Bible you want to do, mm. you know, you choose, I don't care. Not my deal. And just read, honestly, read one verse and pray over it. Mm. You better not do like Haggai or something like that. <laughs> maybe, maybe one of Paul's letters or Psalms or Proverbs. Because... Amber, I started with the minor prophets. It's not going well. <laughs> Jonah. Thanks for Lord, the advice. Please don't ever let me be in the belly of a fish. And Thank you very much. <laughs> the fish vomited Jonah out. Dear Lord, please don't let Let's fish get the vomit prophets. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is good advice though. Thank you for that. Oh, yeah. You know, I do what I can. I appreciate it. All right. So we need to talk about Tupperware. This is the deal. This is the deal with Tupperware. The reason that every family has a thousand pieces of Tupperware is, do you know how they sell Tupperware? And I'm not talking about the actual name brand of Tupperware. I'm talking about food storage containers. Do you know what they do? They, they sell the squares in like 48 piece sets. <laughs> and then you realize that you need not just squares, but you need round things for some things. And so you have to buy the 48 or 52 piece set in the round things. And then you realize you, you really, your kids take dressing to school. And so you need just these little ones, but they don't sell those individually, Mike, you have to buy sets. That's why every wife has all this Tupperware and every man everywhere has consternation every time they open up that drawer. The, the listeners are so baffled of how we started talking about Tupperware. Well, Any thoughts? Have you to want to read the, the book? No, no, they'll have to read the book. We just have to cover a couple of things. Read the book and it will all make sense to you. Pizza rolls. I definitely, you know, I'm not a fan of pizza rolls. What? Am I still spirit filled? I thought you the were note, saved. The note, no. that's exactly what the note said. So I need to know, am I Filled with the spirit if I don't like pizza rolls. Are we talking about the delicious little snacks you put in the oven We're, after yes, school? Yes. Well, no. I mean, I don't. I mean, if you think they're delicious, good for you. We're talking about the little pockets that burn your mouth to a yes. If you bite into them too soon. Yes. That is what I'm talking about. You don't, yeah. you don't like them. No. Oh, man. I just. No, and you make an assumption that spirit-filled people all like these things. And I'm right about that assumption. I think put it if you're just never mind. Comment, don't read the book. The, don't when read you, the book. When you rate just, and review a little things podcast, just give, give us a yes or no on the pizza rolls. <laughs> that honestly was my, uh, we got our copy of the book in our, our home of what's big, start small. And my kids always love seeing like the acknowledgement section at yeah, the end. Yeah. Where I, I, try to, I, I noticed I wasn't mentioned in there at all. <laughs> and the fact that I, I showed some love to the guy who invented pizza rolls. I, I'm not sure if that came before like my coworkers and my children, but no, we, at the yeah. time of grace team, which, you know, I wasn't included. It was editors <laughs> and that type of thing was after the dead politician Oh, before man. God, before God. So, you know, I guess everybody rates somewhere, but then one last thing, what is your problem with Turkey sausage? We really need to get to the bottom of this. First of all, have you ever tried Turkey sausage? 
all of my wife is poisoning me with all their healthy foods. So have you tried it? Yes or no? Yes. Too often. That's all my still, wife makes. You still Ground don't like it? Turkey, turkey bacon, turkey sausage. She slipped a little kale into a recipe last week. And that's not okay. That is wives respect your husbands. And it's just that's not what we She's want. She's trying to save your life. I see what you eat. She's trying to keep me from heaven. This is <laughs> I have a plan. I'm going to enjoy life and then I'm going to see Jesus. And she's sabotaging this. So. Turkey sausage is delicious and pizza rolls are not. You just need to get that through your head. It's your, it's your podcast. So I don't want to say you might be locked out of the kingdom of God, but I, that crossed my mind. He's going to say, I never knew you, Amber. I, I made this for your enjoyment. What if Jesus likes turkey sausage? Because they I'm could the- not eat pork. I will, I will. My guess is Jesus <laughs> likes turkey sausage and not pork. Touché. So okay. yeah, who's spirit filled now, Mike? You're, you're too quick on your feet, Amber. I keep losing these <laughs> impromptu debates. All right. I have a suggestion for my listeners. And it's also for the people in my church. I told the woman that I went and had coffee with today. My first thought when I read this book was I'm going to have a Bible study at church doing this book. And then as I finished reading it. I I said to this woman, I'm not having a Bible study with this book at church, because what I really want is for every woman who would have come come to this Bible study to buy the book and have a Bible study with her neighbors, her friends, her coworkers who don't go to the church. Hmm. And, um, that's my suggestion to the listeners out there, get the book, definitely get the book, go through it yourself. But the questions are so much better if you can talk to somebody else about them and with them. Sure. And so, you know, if you have to do it in your church, but I would suggest getting someone else from your neighbor neighborhood or a coworker, someone, maybe someone who's been away from church from a really long time. This would be a good book to really get them into the things of God in a non-threatening way. Yes. It's going to convict them. It's going to convict all of us, but there were times that I was laughing out loud. I told our producer, as I was reading this, I was sitting on my deck, a couple about a week ago or so and I was reading it and I was laughing out loud and our producer said what did your neighbors think and I said my neighbors know that I'm crazy like they don't (laughs) if Amber's sitting outside on her deck laughing out loud they're like oh she's home (laughs) she's home but it was there were so many times that I was laughing out loud and so you make it even though there are really really tough concepts in this book and it's not you it's the Holy Spirit it's it's what Jesus said you're just pointing it out Um, You make it fun and relatable. And so thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thanks for giving it a chance. And thanks for having me on today. I'm sorry I got the title wrong, but I'm glad you liked some things from the book. You know, Mike, if there's one thing I'm good at, it's forgiving. So we can um, work on your next book. We can, if you could just run the title by me. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry, Amber. Thoughts on pizza rolls, turkey sausage, and book titles. Yeah, could you just put that? Could you just put that in your acknowledgments next time? Just to Amber. Sorry, I have let you down so many times in the past. Thanks for being like Jesus to me, Amber. <laughs> All right, I'll try to remember that. How can they get a copy of your book? How can people? Where can they find it? Where do they yep. need to go? Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, Amazon is the easiest place to go. Amazon's carrying the book. What's big starts small. Barnes and Noble has it, or you can just jump over to the Time of Grace website. It's timeofgrace.org. Perfect. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Amber.